to another episode of Adding Up, the podcast. I'm your host, Serena.Ryan, and this is all about adding up my financial failures and successes and learnings. Well, they're all learnings in the end, and helping you see through my experience how to do better with finance and numbers. I'm determined to become debt-free, and this podcast for me is a wonderful way of documenting my experience and becoming accountable for all these new habits I'm creating and helping others, you, the listeners, see how you could be inspired by what I've done and hopefully avoid some of the mistakes, if not all, that I've made. And if you're someone who is great with numbers, such as an accountant or bookkeeper, this podcast is for you to see what it's like on the other side. I believe through empathy, we can help others better and gain good insights into what it's like to be someone who was not naturally good with numbers. But I'm determined to change that and not just change it for myself, but change it for others too. In this episode, I am going to give you a bit of a financial update on where I'm at and give you some really cool, fun tips around how I'm making the most of the budget I have. Beautiful insight I gained from listening to the lovely Effie Zahos when she was interviewed for Pocket Money, a podcast by finder.com.au. And she talked about one of her mentors, Paul Clitheroe, and how he gave her an insight believe when he was interviewing her for one of her first jobs in finance and said it's not about how much money you make it's about how much money you save that will determine your outcome what I've done is applied that to my life to give me discipline yes I am focused on earning more money I'm an entrepreneur and I'm the daughter of entrepreneurs it's in my blood to want to maximize and always look for ways to earn money However, what it comes down to is for me, it's always been about making the most of what I have. Like how resourceful can I be with the income I have? The challenge for me has been to see how much money we could live on before it got too uncomfortable. What I mean by that is looking at one of the most obvious things, and it can be a huge expense if you're not careful, of all things is your grocery bill. Because we all have to eat. Well, shopping centres and grocery stores are laid out to maximise us spending more money. There's no mistake that the milk is at the back of the supermarket, that you have to go past everything else before you get there in the hope that you'll buy more than just the milk that you were intending to buy when you dropped in. One of the first things I did when I decided to really take a hold of my budget was be really careful about any wastage, make sure that every dollar I spent counted. And that started with the weekly groceries. Now, initially I thought, well, what if I can spend $100 a week to feed a family of four? That would be a huge challenge. And I started off with that. 
And through applying a little process that I'm going to step you through, I do now, I've been able to get that down to an average of around $85, $85 to $90 a week. I actually aim for $80 a week. And that means that's an extra $10 a week that could be getting paid on debt. And $10, you go, well, that's nothing really. But if you go $10 by 52 weeks, now we're talking about $520. That's $520 that can be knocked off a debt. That excites me. All these little things may not seem like much to some, but I realize this simple process of getting really specific around what food we actually needed and making sure that was all I bought has really helped reduce the debt that we're holding. And that excites me because when we can be creative with the numbers that we have, it even relates to what I do, I call it in my day job as a marketer. I teach businesses how to do Facebook marketing on a dollar a day. Those dollars can be super powerful if we're really clear on what we want to spend them on. And if we're not clear on what we want to spend them on, we simply don't spend it. And that's the exact same approach I have when I'm talking Facebook ads as to what I'm doing with the grocery budget. And I love it. I really do. Getting to the process that I follow with the groceries. What I do is I stand in the kitchen and I do an audit of what's in the cupboard. I see a staple for us is pasta and rice as well. So you think your carbohydrates, we love wraps and they're a staple. The kids love them on the go. And I I've got into the habit of making baked goods for snacks because then that reduces uh, the cost rather than buying the pre-packaged. An interesting side benefit to that is I know all the ingredients going into what I'm baking as opposed to just buying pre-packaged off the shelf. But the important thing for me here doesn't, I'm not going to get too caught up on diet or other aspects of the benefits of being really specific about planning your meals. It is for me about the financial side of things. I work out what it is uh, that are our staples that we want to eat. I see how much we have left of them in the cupboard. And if I know we're going to run out of them in that week, I write it down. And from memory, I have a reasonable idea of how much they cost. An example for me is there's a particular brand of wraps that we buy, like these Mexican wraps, and they cost $4.15 for a packet of 12. I actually write that down as $5 because I like to round them up and it allows me a little wriggle room in the budget. But beside the wraps, I'll write $5. Now, I know we want to buy bananas and I know based on previous shops, the market rate for bananas, they're in season at the moment, they're around $3 a kilo. I know... I may, well, I usually get just under a kilo, but I always allow for a kilo. So I'll say $3 is written next to the bananas. Particular milk we buy is $4. I I tend to buy one that's not just the the $2 milk. I I take a step up because I feel like milk prices have been cut too much. That's an, again, something I'm not going to get too caught up in, but I know I have particular about the brand of milk I buy and I allow all right, $7 next to milk. I go through every single item and I add them up. So for me, that's important. Then I add that up to a total. There's a particular coffee I buy and that costs $8.50. I write $9 down for that. I know if I'm allocating my money out, I add it all up and I do this all manually on a piece of paper. I try to recycle my paper as much as I can, but I like the physicality of pen and paper when I'm going through this process. Then when I get to the grocery store with my list, 
I'm super particular. Everything I pick up and put in my supermarket trolley, I write down exactly the dollar value. And then I keep adding up as I go around and put more things in the trolley. And I stick to what's on my list. I do do a rough calculation. If I do see something on special that is something that we really use and love, I will allow for like some weeks there could be a special on bananas instead of them being $3 a kilo, they're $2 a kilo and I'm only getting half a kilo. So I know I'm only paying $1 and instead of $3, that extra $2 could be spent on more flour for me to make the muffins. I do rough calculations in my head the whole way. It's really testing my brain power and I love it again because I'm getting familiar and used to playing with my numbers. But the important thing is every single thing I pick up, even if it's an impulse purchase and I think, oh, well, I've got a bit of wriggle room here. I should be able to afford this. I still write down the dollar value of it and I add it up. So I've got a running total written down of what's going to come out of my budget. This means I know when I get to the checkout, I know exactly how much money I'm up for. And this is powerful. It stops me from doing impulse purchases. It allows me to have control of my money and it it helps me to second guess every single impulse purchase along the way. And yes, the first time I did this, it took me probably two hours to do a grocery shop and it was painful. And I didn't like it. It was pretty uncomfortable. But the beauty of it was it held me accountable. And when I could see the control I had enabled me to put money on my debt. And because I'd had time to think about what we were eating and made sure I had adequate food available for the family, no one was wanting for anything. When I talk about the baked goods, my boys love banana muffins that I make. And the beauty of that for me is those banana muffins, I'm often using the bananas that have gone overripe. So I'm actually using up food that would previously have been thrown out. And I make blueberry muffins sometimes as well, because I have leftover blueberries or whatever fruit I have. So we've got this wonderful side benefit of enjoying the food, having it cost effective and reducing our waste as a family. And all those things are adding up to us feeling good about what we're doing and feeling more confident about what's happening with our money. And nothing is better than knowing that even more recently, because I've been doing this since October, so it's about 10 months now. And the thing is, because I've consistently been doing that, last month, we could actually go out and enjoy ourselves. I had a day out in the city with the kids and with my husband as well. And because I'd been really careful about paying things down and reducing debt and putting money aside for days out, that money was there and I didn't actually have to look for extra money. So I've also got this other benefit of being able to save more as well as pay down debt. And This has come from being more aware and not spending money on things that we'd never even noticed before. That approach, I find it beneficial. I'm not going to say to anybody, you have to follow the way I do things, but if you find that useful, please do let me know. Don't hesitate to email me at serena at serena.ryan.com.au and the D-O-T in the middle of my name is short for Dorothy in case you're wondering. I love to know the benefits that it has for you. And 
This past week has been very gratifying. I've had a number of people reach out and let me know the impact of this podcast on them. And I can say this week I've had happy tears about that as well. The biggest challenge for me was to start the podcast because I had a lot of fear about being so open about my challenges. And I'm so thankful that people are gaining benefit from what I'm sharing and they're letting me know because it means the world to me to know that in some small way I'm making a difference in people's lives, that they're taking control of their finances as well. For me, I set this huge goal to get rid of our credit cards by the 31st of July. And the 31st of July, at the time of recording this podcast, is actually this week. And excitingly, I can share that I can say two credit cards as of the 31st of July have been cut up. They've been zeroed out in their debt. And that's exciting. We have three credit cards, which means there's still another one outstanding. My rough calculations are that I'll have that one paid by February. My goal is the 14th of February 2020 to have it paid off. A conclusion I came to, and I think this is something important I'd like to share for others to hopefully gain benefit from as well, is that if I only focused on paying down the debt without us having a life at the same time, it would mean that we would compromise our quality of life as well. So I reduced the expectation of getting everything paid off by the 31st of July to allow for a little bit of breathing space. It wasn't about taking away accountability, but I decided to acknowledge that it was still important to do things at times as a family that include spending money, but to keep discipline around things such as the weekly grocery bill. And that is something I'm incredibly proud of. I'm celebrating the wins. I love the fact that we've paid $6,000 in, well, is it six? Yeah. Well, it's actually no $7,000. Oh my goodness. $7,000 in credit card debt by the 31st of July. We will finally get rid of the credit cards by the 14th of February, 2020. And I'll keep you posted on that. I'd love to say sooner, but I have decided to ensure that we're still putting money away in an emergency fund and to also have money available to be able to do things in school holidays. And like, I wouldn't say they're huge things, we're not planning grandiose holidays overseas just yet, but I'm looking for quality. I'm proud to say we've been able to go to the movies uh, twice in school holidays. We've had day trips out. The boys have been able to uh, go and visit our wonderful dear friend, Chocolate Johnny in Rose Bay. He's an incredible entrepreneur and chocolatier. And I love that I can go and talk shop with John. It was actually John Kapos, but my boys know him as Chocolate Johnny. And I can talk shop with him. The boys can enjoy great chocolate and we have a huge adventure to go and visit him. And when I say huge adventure, it's not about it costing a lot of money. For us, the big thing is our boys are five and six. We get to catch a train and we get to catch a ferry to go and visit him just on Sydney Harbour. And we live out in the suburbs. So it's a great adventure purely to go and get into the city and catch a ferry on the harbour and get to go and eat chocolate. It's a fantastic day. And when we stop and look around, there are a lot of creative things we can do 
that don't cost huge amounts of money. And that's a highlight for us most school holidays is to make sure we go and visit. Now, other things that I like to think of that have helped us maintain our quality of life without me automatically having to earn more money. And it's not to say I haven't been able to increase my income and continue the business that I'm in. Like this year, I've been in business for five years. What this episode for me is about, I want to draw awareness to being able to make the most of what you have before you default into earning more money. I know from speaking to accountants who I have as clients, they talk about people being on like high six figure incomes and double income. They're earning in excess of three or $400,000, but they sit with massive debt. And it's actually not about earning more money. It's about being a lot more creative with what you have to increase and improve your quality of life. Some of the things I've been applying to my life have been looking around the home and selling things on eBay. You might go, oh, really? Can you do that? Absolutely. And it still is viable. I've been around for a while. I find more of the brand new items sell better on eBay. And in Australia here, we have Gumtree. The used items and the larger items, like I've recently sold a dining table and some chairs on Gumtree. I've also sold a huge oversized clock on Gumtree as well. There's interesting things I can sell. And I'm always looking around the home, things that I don't really need anymore. It's about seeing if that could go to a better place. And I really don't care if I'm earning huge dollars on these things. Often is about clearing the space. And even by selling the few items that I have, I've sold nearly a thousand dollars worth of items on Gumtree. That put us in a great situation to then go and invest in some new rugs and get our floors polished, which was an item we'd been wanting to do for ages. Uh, so that was actually quite exciting, reinvesting in some minor home renovations. We've also had three garage sales in the last 12 months and the garage sales are more for other items. Again, I don't really want to earn huge dollars there, but in saying that with the garage sales, are nearly $400 in garage sales. That's us being able to clear things out that we're no longer serving us around the home. Then as a side thing, it's not really a financial thing, but definitely a clearing out, making room around our home was we've taken a number of things to charity as well. Cost-effective things that we've done to maintain and have a great quality of life, like we mentioned about going to see um, Chocolate Johnny at Perfection Chocolates at Rose Bay is on the way there, there's an incredible park on the water. So when we're walking from the Rose Bay ferry terminal to the chocolate shop, we walk past this huge park on the water with a flying fox and it looks, you can actually like stand in this park with this oversized tree house for the kids to play in and watch the ferries. And you can also see the planes landing, like the seaplanes landing in that part of the harbour as well. So there's a lot of things to see and do. And apart from paying for our public transport to get over there, which is the train and like a state ferry, that's it. We pack a picnic and we have an incredible day out. And that's just one of the adventure days we have. But I highly recommend having picnics, packing sandwiches, and you put your favorite toppings on your sandwiches. And it costs next to nothing to get out and about and enjoy. And there are some seriously amazing parks being built around the place these days as well. Now, I mentioned before about my shopping habits and being really particular about writing it down and tracking the numbers. 
But another side benefit that has come from um, talking about these budgeting around my shop is that talking to my mum about it and she's like, well, why don't we shop together? Because if we can shop together, we can actually earn loyalty points. There's this program called Flybys here in Australia. The cool thing for me, I like to think of this as in Australia, we're not too big on coupons. I know that's very much a US thing, but here, if you earn points, you can go shopping with those points. What happens is through flybys, they will email you special offers to earn extra points. Usually it means you've got to do maybe two or three or four shops in a row, like weekly shops to qualify for say an extra 10,000 points, which would equate to maybe another $50 in your pocket. Um, cash, which is quite decent. We shop together because essentially mum's buying for only my mum and dad and I'm buying for a family of four. And if we add our shopping together, then we can often qualify for the minimum amount for that weekly shop and we can qualify for those extra points. And what that enables us to do is we've been able to use those points I've been able to get a number of clothing items because I can go and shop with those points. Well, those points become cash. Essentially, I've been able to use our grocery shopping to buy my clothing. I've always been very, very wary of any kind of loyalty program as a marketer because a loyalty program can entice you into buying things you don't need. But if you can do it with awareness and take advantage of the right offers, you can use those offers to your advantage. And in this case, I've been able to. It's about aligning what it is that you want with things that you're already doing and those habits. And that's actually enabling us to have more than what we would have expected for the same amount of money. All my recent clothes that have been purchased this year that have been for my work and casual as well have been bought through using this point system. So I found that to be pretty incredible. Now, where all this comes back to is having discipline and discipline, I'd say, well, discipline with awareness, with consistency, sets me up to do better with my numbers. I'd be interested to hear what it is that helps you stay on track with your personal finance as well. I'm always interested to hear how others are actually managing their budgets. It's interesting. The more I start talking about it, I found a couple of weeks ago now when I was interviewed by the Sydney Morning Herald about my budget, I know I'd started the podcast and I'd been talking about my numbers. I still found it incredibly confronting being asked by a journalist about how I'm actually allocating my money. It's been a couple of weeks now since that interview and how confronting it was talking about it. And For me, what has become a big positive is it's made me feel better about my money. Active choice that I'm making to be disciplined, to be clear and aware about what I want. And it's helping me stay on track to be consistent with these habits that I have formed around saving and around servicing debt and paying off additional debt. I believe there has to be a balance between all of those things to have the life you want. You you can't just go all in on paying off the debt because that can, well, it can set you up for failure if you're too extreme. And I'd liken it to going on an extreme diet. If you're starving yourself 
eventually going to get to a point of where you want to binge. And I can talk about that as well because in my lifetime I've had challenges around my weight and it's exactly the same. I can talk from personal experience. It wasn't until I initiated having a healthy lifestyle that my approach to my weight changed and my approach to food changed. And when I can see food as fuel and it enables me to have a healthy body to enable me to have the life I want, then it becomes a positive. And it's the same with money. I see money as fuel to enable me to have the lifestyle I want. So I, I'm constantly looking at how can I get the life I want by being resourceful with what I have and then take steps to bridge a gap if I don't have the resources available to me to have the life I want. And what I mean by that is first I look at how can I maximise my resources and then how can I learn new ways on how to continue to maximise what I have and then after I've gone through those avenues and exhausted those, how can I then potentially earn more if that's what I need to do? And it also relieves the pressure of me to consistently looking to be earning more money because I, I do believe that's a trap we can get into, thinking we just have to get more money to get the life we want. And I look at that as a trap when I look at things around people getting convinced that they need to win lottery to be happy. It's about focusing first on being happy. Then if there happens to be an influx of money, how will you look after that to continue to have the life you want without compromising it? Because there's not necessarily a direct correlation to the amount of money you have to happiness. I really would love people to learn from what I'm saying in my experience, but know that I'm not a professional when it comes to talking about money the aim of this podcast is me sharing my experience to give the personal take on someone who has not necessarily had a strong financial education. And I know I am changing that. And I want, if anything, this podcast to inspire you to get your own financial education, to talk to financial professionals. I am looking forward to sharing uh, another expert interview in the coming weeks as well where I'm going to get a professional expert to talk about their take on how they educate people to get financial education around their budgeting. So if you have any particular questions that you want to ask this professional that's going to be on in a couple of weeks, please do reach out and send me your questions. In the show notes, there's a link for you to basically ask any questions send me a voicemail. You can remain anonymous or by all means, let me know your name and I can give you a wonderful shout out in that podcast episode when I ask your question. Have a wonderful week. Until next time, know all the changes you make will add up.